0: you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and access exclusive podcast episodes of Book Club and more by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. We made it. <laughs> how are you both doing today?
1: Pretty good. It's a beautiful day here. I
2: know, right? Wonderful.
0: This is for the ones who listen most. The future of tomorrow. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 598. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Victoria Jameson and Omar Mohammed. Victoria and Omar have made a graphic novel together. It's called When Stars Are Scattered. Omar is a refugee from Somalia and a refugee advocate, and his story is one that you won't soon forget. It's a story about family and about surviving. It's a story about education and advocating for yourself. In Omar's experience, he says, quote, The worst part about being in a refugee camp is that it's monotonous and boring. And this is where Victoria's skills as a storyteller and cartoonist shine. The comic has a strong sense of setting, helping give purpose to all of its characters and how their lives intersect. When Stars Are Scattered is the first book since Safe at Home that I've connected over with a student. Emma, one of my third graders, shared it over Zoom during one library class, and we each immediately fell into a moment of book love as we realized that we were reading the same story. Emma and her sister Hannah are mentioned throughout this conversation, as well as the amazing ways these readers were touched by Omar's story, a glimpse of how readers are connecting with the book across the country. I'll end with Omar's words, as they've been on my heart since recording this interview. The simple thing we do for a human being may change their entire life. Please welcome my guests, Victoria Jameson and Omar Mohammed, authors and cartoonists of When Stars Are Scattered.
1: I'm Victoria Jameson. I'm an author and illustrator of graphic novels like Roller Girl and All Spare in Middle School. And my new project, or my latest book, is "When Stars Are Scattered." Um, I go by she hers, and I think
2: that's it. Uh, my name is Omar Mohammed. I am uh, a former refugee myself, and uh, I'm a constant, constant uh, refugee advocate. And uh, I, this is my first book that uh, "When Stars Are Scattered," co-authored with Victoria Jemison.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad that. I don't know the story of how you both came together to make this exceptionally beautiful graphic memoir uh this beautiful beautiful graphic novel but um I know that it's being very well received I have I'm a school librarian and I have a number of readers one in particular actually who has read it and this is just um everything to her this game is too hard. and so um I'm 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 grateful that you but you shared your story.
1: Thank you. It's it's uh, great to hear that students are um reading it and responding to it. So thank you.
0: Of course, I am. Um, <laughs> I it's a weird time to be sharing books with kids. <laughs> As you can imagine, but um but we do have some access and we do have you know Internet, so we're able to Skype or or Zoom in this case with one another, and it's been neat to have uh, one child in particular, my girl Hannah, who um, every Monday when I have her for class, she holds up the book and says, "Mr. Winner, <laughs> did you hear that I started this? Did you know that I did that?" Before we were just checking through, reading this story, and now she's been with the help of her parents, sharing over social media that she's working to. Um, to help fundraise for uh, refugee organizations that are mentioned in your book, um, having been so moved by your story, and I told her, you know, they're kind of local to us. Maybe we can invite them to our school. That was the last conversation we had. So maybe when all the dust settles, um, we can we can um, all get back to scheduling author visits and and getting in front of children. Uh, who are reading your book and 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 perhaps hearing about refugee stories for the first time but i digress go ahead victoria
1: <laughs> oh yeah fingers crossed because um you know our book tour was canceled obviously um but i was really looking forward to it cuz a big part of omar's job um, is talking to people about his life experiences so i'm i'm sad that kids miss that opportunity this spring but hopefully in the future that can happen
0: yeah i didn't i didn't realize omar that you um, well, I'm grateful that you use your time to be an advocate that way, but also to engage children. But what what made you feel compelled to tell your story in book form?
2: You know, uh, as in different ways. One, we always hear about refugees, who those refugees are, who's coming to this country, how they can... And everybody assumes, so everybody comes their own conclusion, even without is uh, hearing from the real refugees who came to this country as refugees. So I always wanted to tell when when I hear from the media them talking about refugees. So I always wanted how can I reach a larger audience and how can I reach the innocent and the most the ones that listen most. So I feel like those were those were children. So that is why I to write. Uh, this book, and I choose to write specifically based on uh, my personal story, where how I how I came uh, how I became a refugee, why I became uh, a refugee, how I came to America, the process that I went through to to coming to to America, and those children are the future of tomorrow, and they are the leaders of 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 tomorrow. That's why I choose to reach out to the children first.
0: I love that you refer to them, not only as the future of tomorrow, but you said the ones who listen most. I couldn't agree more with you. (laughs) What a beautiful um, sentiment for how you both respect your audience. Um, Victoria, I know from knowing you and from interviewing you before and from being friends on social media, I know how you care about portraying real children and honest voices and honest experiences. And Omar, to not only read your story, but to have it paced in this way that not only are we, are we experiencing or we are hearing, learning about um, one story of what it is like to be a refugee, but also how in your one story it, it was a long, drawn-out story with, with many moments of hope and many moments of doubt. And I feel like to communicate stories to children uh, on a timeline that extends many, many years is a really powerful and affecting process. Um, process I found. I, I, I found myself thinking, I don't remember reading many stories where we follow a a child growing up um, and still with hope for a change in circumstances.
1: That was actually one of the challenges as we were structuring the story, just because it takes place over so many years. Um, so we kind of had to decide, well, we don't we can we start from day one and go for the next 17 years? So most of the book um, centers around when Omar's around 12, 11, 12. And then we have flashbacks to the past and then kind of move forward through the future in chunks. And I think another hard part about writing this book, Omar, what really struck me early on in one of our meetings was that you said one of the worst parts of being in a refugee camp was that every day was the same. It's just monotonous and boring. And so we had to figure out a way to not make the book boring um, and have kind of, you know, plots that move you through the story, even though a great deal of the story is about it being monotonous and routine.
2: And credit to also Victoria's experience and also uh, her commitment and also her, her work. You know, the, the book, she's, she's the real author. I'm always told you, are the co-author. No, I'm on, <laughs> the, only the story belongs to, it's my story. It is me, but 99% of this job was done by uh, Victoria Jameson. And when I think back now, uh, uh, when we when you were working together on this book, oh my, I, even sometimes I had two, two full-time jobs mm-hmm. and I still was trying to work uh, with, with with Victoria, make this one uh, came out. And when I see now, I was like, wow, what a great <laughs> work done by <laughs> Victoria. And I've also learned from her. I've, I totally... Learned a lot of things just working with Victoria with 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 uh, with this book. So I was blessed and honored to work
1: with her too. Well, I feel the same way, and I I wouldn't say it's. I mean, I I could not I couldn't have done this book on my own. I mean, it was definitely a group effort. So the way we did um, the work on the book was I we lived about an hour and a half from each other. So as Omar said, he has. Two full-time jobs often <laughs> so we try and find times to meet often during his lunch breaks or on the weekends um, anytime we could so we'd kind of get together and he would tell me more chapters I guess of his life story and then I would go home and kind of type it up and put it into kind of a narrative form and then we'd discuss it and then move on to the next part of the story.
0: Wow so your job largely Victoria in the beginning it sounds like was to listen and to hear mm-hmm. to hear not just the, the the story being told but really the emotion the the experience being you know bore witness to
1: yeah and i mean Omar you said that you learned a lot working with me i learned so much working with you and a good part of it was learning to listen i mean i think as an author before i've had a story i wanted to tell And I had it just sort of in me and I wanted to get it out. But this story, I I had to listen. That was my job just to listen and to put things down as honestly as I could. I tried to keep my own personal feelings in a way out of it. Whenever I try to steer the story in a a certain way, because I was like, oh, this would work well, then it did not work well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think I always learned to come back to Omar and be like, okay, what really happened? And um, that would usually fix the problem.
0: Omar, how did you and Victoria first become connected?
2: Uh, I always wanted to write a book, but then... You know, growing up in a refugee camp with zero resources and then came coming to America not knowing any, not meeting in Basin, actually, any re- others. So Victoria actually visited, uh, I work uh, uh, in a resettlement agency that helps refugees, uh, that work as refugees when they come to America. I was a case manager for them. So Victoria visited our, our office one day and she was giving office tour by my, co- my co-worker, and then she ended up, she came to, she was, uh, when I was introduced to her by my colleague, and, uh, you know, she was told like how I always wanted to write a book and all that so, And all uh, that, that information, and then my friend introduced me to her, we talked, and she was the one who, uh, for me, I wanted to go for, uh, I had already a memo written,
1: mm. saved
2: on, on my computer about my personal story. And then she's the one who uh, she told me who she was, what kind of books she writes. She writes a children's book and that forth. And uh, as soon as I met her, I was like, "Yeah, maybe I, I'm more than happy to work with you." <laughs> so I send I send my memo to her and to look to look at it and see what she what she thinks. And that is how how we met, and that's how this book was born.
0: I think that there are so many so many moving points of this book. Um, that I don't quite know where to start, but I think the most appropriate one would be to talk about Hassan, to talk about your brother and about being a caretaker and, and what it means to, to what, what family means when you don't have your mom around, when it's you and your brother and you're torn between caring for yourself or, or caring for him or what, could you speak a little bit about him?
2: Actually, it was the most difficult time of my entire life. The, the biggest problem is children, when, when, when they are children, they're they innocent. You know, they do mistakes, they do uh, everything. But I lost, me and my brother did not actually enjoy our, 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 our childhood. And that is the most important thing that any human being can miss, is, the, is to miss your, your childhood. And for me, the most difficult, most of most of the time was, when I am the struggling, who do I turn to? I don't have mom, I don't have ba- b- b- um, uh, bigger brother or bigger sister or father that I can turn to or ask ask for advice. Fatuma usually lives like next door. She don't live with us. She doesn't live sleep, sleep in our house. Who Fatuma is the foster mom. So mm. that was the most challenge is when it is me. You know, I can condone Hassan and make him feel good and stay there with him and talk to him. But I felt most of the time there was no one out there for me, specifically when I'm the one who needs most help. When when I'm the one, something as small as having even toothache at night, I'm feeling the pain. I have no one to tell to. But most of the time, it was me and Hassan. We had together and uh, we reached in a a level where Hassan, my brother, is non We reached in a level where if i look at him by eyes even he he understands what, what i was telling him he if he, if he looks at me i understand what he needed and what what uh, what he was telling me so that's the level our communication even even uh, has 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 reached so we believed in our faith was the major thing that kept kept us going and also everyone was struggling in the refugee camp so we were not the only ones struggling everybody was facing most most of the issues like lack of food, lack of resources, and uh, lack of water, lack of medicine was common. But the most common thing for me and him was we had no burden but uh, some children we had. Yeah.
0: I to to know of Hassan being nonverbal, uh of just saying this, this one word the entire book, Huyo. But to see, I mean, the graphic novel format works so beautifully for that, that we see so much exchanged in looks or in body posturing. I um, there, there are many, many beautiful moments in the book, but to tie in two things, Victoria, you mentioned about making, how do you make... L- a story seem interesting when every day in the in the camp is the same. You start off the chapter chapter two every day in a refugee camp is the same, except when it's not. Sometimes your life can change in an instant, but you can never be sure if it's a good change or a bad change. And to connect that with when when Omar is at school when you are at school, and um, something happens to Hassan and. There's this great moment when when the, the friends and the people around you remind you that we'll all take care of Hassan. It's not just you. Um, stop being so selfish. This is your chance to get out. I thought that um, there were just there were just some real hard truths in this book about what what do you do when you have. A way out, an opportunity—I uh, don't know what. Like, where does the responsibility lie? And I found that conflict throughout the book being something beautiful and compelling, and and really driving the compassion in the story. Yeah, that was
1: one of the things I had to really, I guess, listen to Omar about um, because so that's one of the things I learned writing this book that people in refugee camps just face like impossible choices like do you, just impossible choices that I don't know how anyone could make. And so I think as listening to Omar and learning about it, I think the that's what I wanted to get across, the community um, and the family that can be found even in very difficult circumstances.
0: We are all here at home, but we can turn to books for company. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on shop in order to support independent bookstores while supporting your favorite bookmakers and kidlit podcasters. Same books, same great prices, but this time your dollars make a difference for someone or some indie bookstore trying to make a difference. Go to MatthewCWinner.com and click on shop to choose your next great read. I um, find myself grateful for Fatuma. There were characters in this. There were people, I say characters, people um, I met and I know all of your readers are meeting and feeling the deep love that you have for them, Omar. I think that um, not only is your story a, a beautiful story, but uh, it's made more beautiful by the way you talk about the people in your life.
2: And that's what keeps me uh, doing what I do now, because for those not people, those people didn't stand up for me or didn't help me the way they did. People like Fatuma, Susana Martinez, Jerry, and, and Tol Salan. So I'm trying to be like them, stand up for another human being at any way that I can, before i joined you this call today i was on another call from uh, someone still in the refugee camp i recently made a gofundme page for people who are still in the refugee camp and we were able to raise about 1100 so i was trying to, we they, we were, i was doing right now today this morning food distribution in the depth. so still taking care of uh in at any level that at any way that I can to those people who are still in the refugee camp and the main reason I'm doing it is because someone else did for me like those refugees when they were in the camp they were they were there for me people like Fatuma. So sometimes kids or even ourselves as adults we forget one simple thing for, we do for a human being may change their entire life for, for the rest of their life and one bad thing may also do to them or say to them, may also have a huge impact on, 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 on their life. In the book, you'll see Susana Martinez, the UNHCR social worker, provided for me a school uniform when I was supposed to get a school in, in, in my high school. If she didn't provide that high school, I don't think I'll be speaking with you in English today. And this issue not only is in the refugee camp, it may be here in in the U.S. too. There are some kids, some families that are struggling that may not get the support that they need, and that is why I, uh, I wanted to share such such example in the book.
1: Yeah, and that's something I was hoping for in the book because Omar has a nonprofit organization um, called Refugee Strong, and so for what the past few years, you've gone back to Dadaab and distributed um, books and just supplies for kids who you know still live there. Dadaab is still there's still people going to school there and kids trying to mm-hmm. learn. Um, And Matthew, you'd mentioned in the beginning that one of your readers was already trying to fundraise. And I think um, that's yeah, that's I think you're exactly right. Kids have big hearts. They listen and they have um, enthusiasm and um, strength, I guess, or just that desire to help change the world. And I think like Omar said, you really can. You never know how one small action can help somebody else. So that that was one of my big hopes with the book that people would learn about Omar's nonprofit and just do what they can in their own communities or um, however to help people who need it.
0: Victoria, Hannah, and her family. I mean, I, I'm I'm blessed that uh, mom reaches out to me and shares with me these beautiful things that her her daughter and her family are doing um, beyond the interaction I have with her uh, weekly. But to know that that a story that sharing a story, seeing another human being, understanding that people's experiences in your neighborhood, in your country, around the world are all different. And that when we hear a story, our job is to listen um, and then think, what do we do next with this information, right? We hear these stories and they change us. All stories, we hear them and they change us in some way. And I think it's it's a beautiful thing that that readers will hear your story and they will feel as as this child feels that she can't not do anything. She must act. I think that I think that, you know, Omar, your tireless work, your your important and beautiful work that you do. I hope that that. That you, that you have the opportunity to see all of those young people and really people of all ages, but most importantly, all of those young people that are able to see your work and hear your voice and know your story and find it in themselves as well to know that, that they can help make change, they can help support others, they can help you know, affect their world.
2: I hope I hope so, and that is my uh, my biggest dream to see a lot of people stand up for their uh, for their community, for their people, for their country. Specifically, even not only in support. You know, a lot of kids here face bullying. Where so if they see something of that sort, they need to stand up or they need to say something about it. And that's one thing. Also, my brother Hassan. Faced in 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 the refugee camp because he was disabled. A lot of kids were calling him names or taking advantage of his disability. So, I uh, that's why I, I I hope a lot of kids here in America or around the world. Not not only will they stand up kids with disabilities, they will also uh, stand up for any mistreatment of any child at, at their school, or at their library or anywhere. The the the. Uh,
0: Yes, the way that we can be an ally, the way that we can be an ally for one another just by seeing someone else and trying to understand, not to decide for them, but to understand. You've got so many experiences in this book with with marriages being arranged, with, with young people um, becoming pregnant, starting families, with... Um, parents that aren't in the picture or that don't have work or that have different views of what's going on in the world and how those views can also feel hopeless. I think that there's so much uh, here in this story and I'm, I'm as I said I'm so grateful that not only did you share your story but that you Victoria listened and that together you both we're able to, to bring Omar's story in the format that it is now to, to all of us readers. I love how you take your time and let the story take the space that it needs to take.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the, the, gra- the format. Um, a lot of people have asked me why a graphic novel and part of the reason is because like, that's how I know how to do. <laughs> I, can't, I can't write a real a regular novel. Um, but for me, it was as an American, who's only seeing like brief glimpses of refugee camps yeah. on the news or, you know, on video clips, it was a real eye opener to me, like, to see like, what does a house look like? What does a kitchen look like? What does a bathroom look like? What do schools look like? So for me, that was an important part of making it a graphic novel, just so kids can, if you say like, these kids go to school, you may picture your own elementary school. You don't picture like wooden desks and kids sitting on dirt floors. Um, so that's part of the reason I really wanted to do it as a graphic novel.
0: I think it works really well as a graphic novel. I think the I I as I mentioned earlier about the the way that you can look at people's faces and have empathy for characters and their experiences. Through paneled art, I think is so powerful but but like you said too, the limits of our imagination when our experiences are limited can sometimes cause us to paint false images and this format allows us to have a little more clear idea of um, I mean I think even the way that the refugee camp is described as an adult by an adult as being just like a giant prison but also to see in a lot of your like chapter beginnings to or the part where you're you've you've broken the book into parts and when we start our parts to see sort of this helicopter view of the refugee camp and how sprawling it is just how huge it is uh I, i think that i think that it's necessary to use a visual format just to understand the magnitude of what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, and we um, we went to a lot of work to make sure it was accurate. Part of the problem was I was looking at images on when I was doing the drawing. Was looking at images on Google, and so I'd I would send Omar like many texts per day, <laughs> being like, "Does this look right? Does this look great? Right? Because a lot of the images I was seeing were from were recent, and every things have changed so much even since Omar left in what two thousand nine. Mm-hmm.
0: Omar, yes did, did you feel like um well not did you feel like what did it look like to work to make sure that what was depicted in the art was a true and honest portrayal of of this refugee camp
2: because uh, a lot of people as have to avoid assumption, not people to assume, including myself and Victoria. So I wanted to uh, to picture the real when I was there. Because now, as Victoria said, a lot has changed when I was younger in the refugee camp compared to now. Because of several money reasons, people like me who who get the opportunity to live, who get the opportunity to be resettled, are sending money back monthly to those refugee camps in the debt. That little money we send back every month it's had a huge impact to to the lives of of those refugees, but there are still uh, maybe eighty percent of them are still the way they were in two thousand. Nothing changed for them, but there are some who who who, who uh, whose lives were were changed because of the resettlement opportunities that that some refugees got from the debt. Yeah,
0: I'm glad that you're able to. Share that 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 those donations do make a difference that there really is change happening and some elements of quality of life improving uh, for those individuals that are in those circumstances forced to 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 flee their country often in i mean the in wartime when you jump to gosh it's at least mid book when um you're meeting with that u n officer and we finally hear your story of fleeing somalia and just this group that was of a certain size in the beginning and was just dwindling as you journeyed and how one of the one of the most affecting things that i still remember from the book is your line about having to learn to walk again after being so malnourished and just that 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 thought of of, of those things we take for granted, all of the things we take for granted, our health and our, our home and the, our food sources um, being upended. It's very, very powerful. Very powerful, Omar.
2: Thank you. And one thing we always forget about um, about is refugees, were, uh, those who lost their life when they were seeking a refuge. I'm, I'm now one of those who, who get the refuge. Who get uh, to live in the refugee camp? Who get the opportunity to be resettled? As you said in the beginning, my story is one of millions, one of one, one of one, one stories from these millions of refugees around around the world. And I always feel my heart feels for those who lost their life when they were seeking for refuge; they were not able to make it to the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I feel like I could just sit and listen to your story i feel like victoria in the beginning of all this just come come share more um which hopefully is exactly what will be also an effect of this book is just more people feeling the importance of getting this story and other refugee stories out so before we wrap up i wonder um omar do you have a copy of the book in front of you by any chance yep yep could i please ask you to read to us the Poem of Stars, that that sort of concludes the book? 255 in, in my copy. No, oh,
2: 255, correct. Do yeah. you want me to, to, to read the last page? Is that the last part or the whole poem?
0: I, w- I would love for you to read us the whole poem, if you don't mind. It's not too long.
2: A poem of Stars by Mariam Farah. Those who are lost look to the stars to lead them home. The flag of Somalia, our home, has one star, one background. But we are not one star. We are millions, not one background, but millions. To the untrained eye, the night sky is a scattering of stars, a chaos of light and dark across the universe. And yet the stars are not lost. They form patterns, constellations, if you know how to look. They are stories woven into into the very essence of stars. Be like a star, shine your light, shine your story, for stories will lead us home. I hope that in America, Hasan and I will find a way. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm grateful to you, Omar, for sharing your story, and I'm grateful to you, Victoria, for helping share the story in this way. You both have done a beautiful, beautiful job. Thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your story with all of us
2: thank, thank you. you very much for having us
0: so we end this way and Victoria I'll start with you and then we'll move to Omar that I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning is there a message Victoria that I can bring to them from you
1: I would say if there's a new kid at your school, or maybe a kid that you've seen at school but have never talked to maybe that other kids don't talk to um, take the chance to talk to someone new and learn about them and what they like to do. Say, so yeah, that's my message, talk to someone new.
2: Thank
0: you. Omar, same question. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you?
2: My message is if you see someone who does look like you, who doesn't speak like you? Who doesn't dress like you? Who doesn't eat the same food? Uh, 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 who doesn't eat the same food like you? Ask them. Ask, ask, ask them who they are and find out where, where they are from and how, how they came to America.
0: children's book podcast is recorded and produced by me matthew winner in my library studio in ellicott city maryland you can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com our theme music is by Poddington bear care of the free music archive all views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced want to help out the show become a patron and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed.